Guys, we're really excited about this new sponsor. It's Snooze Mattress. They have something called the Snooze Flip, which is the most universal mattress on the planet. It's a mattress that is designed to fit everybody. It's actually the world's first four-in-one mattress. You can choose soft, firm, cool, or cozy. And then you can flip it to choose your comfort level. Then you can zip it with Snooze Mattress's reversible and washable temperature-regulated cover. They hooked a couple of us DNVR employees up with a new mattress. It's gotten great reviews. Everybody loves it. Super comfortable. And like I said, you can customize it to fit however you like to sleep. So what you need to do is go to snoozesleep.com. When you get there, you're going to use code DNVR. You're going to receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base. So this is an incredible deal. Go to snoozesleep.com type in code dnvr it's going to give you 250 bucks off a mattress and 250 bucks off an adjustable base this is an awesome company made in colorado by colorado people designed of course for the rest of the world Uh, so check them out go to snoozesleep.com use code dnvr I always forgot we don't have music for this one. It's such a letdown every time. <laughs> right as we go live, like, oh yeah, we don't have. Uh... Kale has the like sound things, I think, on his computer that go or whatever. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. There it is over there. Uh, use promo code DNVR whenever you sign up. Might be the best part about watching the Denver Nuggets for the foreseeable future. Actually, I shouldn't oh, say foreseeable future. Come on. Come I on. say in the immediate future. There you go. That's foreseeable. better. I can foresee a, a much brighter future. Um, I'm joined by a very annoyed already Harrison Wind who brought uh, chewing gum to the show. <laughs> I'm not chewing anything. If you can believe it. What's the deal here? Did I what? Go to the scores table? <laughs> no but um I, we should just never use the term foreseeable future because i i have yep. no idea what foreseeable future means it could mean he could be back in the lineup tomorrow could, could mean he could be back in the lineup in one week i don't know what foreseeable future means. nobody does it's why it's a great catch-all you could just say it and then it's like i told you. it's like questionable he's questionable we don't know a week seven years we don't know i've also foreseeable got- future means it's day-to-day but it's pretty bad it could also mean every day we don't know that's true it's, we it's, don't know yeah uh i've also got Brendan vote here what's up gang uh tough tough day i don't know if you guys saw a big story dropped after the show finished last night uh tough day tough day in nuggets land yeah that's obviously going to be the meat of the show today um as mike singer of the denver post is reporting michael porter jr not with the team and uh Actually, he didn't report that. I should say Michael Malone reporting Michael Porter yes. Jr. not with the team. And then Michael, uh, Mike Singer, shortly after we wrapped up the postgame show, announced what has now, I think everybody in Denver knows, that Michael Porter is, um, you know, there's concerns that his season could be in jeopardy. It's the phrasing, I believe, that was used in the, uh, in the report. And that even according to a team source, he may need another surgery. Um, so w- later on in the show, guys, we're going to do the list. I got a couple videos that I think are somewhat interesting. It's hard to analyze this team right now because they're in that limbo zone. But there were a few things when I went back and, yes, rewatched last night's game. Uh, there were th- there were things that I was able to take away that I think you might find interesting. So we'll do that. Um, I'll have another. I think we'll probably do another, especially if Jokic plays on Tuesday, we'll probably do another edition of the list for Wednesday uh, for members only. But today, since it's so light, we'll just put that in front of the payroll. And then at the end, we'll look ahead to the Portland series. Let's go back to this report here. So, you know, the first thing I want to say is I've talked around. I know, I know we've all made you know some calls or, or tried to reach out to people. One thing I think is now crystal clear. Michael Porter was hurt to start this season. From what I am hearing, it it happened in the final preseason game, I believe, the final one that he played. And it makes a lot of sense. He had a very good first preseason game. Remember, without Nicola, he's out there. He looks fantastic. There's excitement. Kind of went downhill pretty quickly. And here's the thing. I get why teams are so tight-lipped about injuries on some fronts. But Michael Porter has been taking a beating 
you know, as, as a player and, and every, every analyst trying to figure out what's going on with the Nuggets well, Michael Porter's not playing well, I don't understand why the team wouldn't sort of just give an update like, hey, he's dealing with something, it's minor, but, you know, factor that in or, or what have you to kind of allow him to go out there for 12 games and it's like, yeah, he's hurting. I mean, it makes a lot more sense in that light. Yeah, and especially with a guy like MPJ, <laughs> a guy that's had two back surgeries already, has had nerve damage before. Like, that's how he developed the drop foot. You know, you, you have nerve compression or nerve damage after a back surgery. And he's had so many things in the past. So, yeah, if there's anybody to be cautious with, it would be Michael Porter Jr. But then if you're thinking about it from the team side of things, they obviously thought he was good enough and healthy right. enough to go out there and play. Right. Like if there was any concern at all long-term about how he would be years down the road, like you have to think about this. They made the decision to put him out there at the beginning of the season after they had already signed him to a max extension that doesn't even kick until next season. So if there was any concern that he wasn't <coughs> healthy enough to play, if he could do any more damage, you wouldn't have put him out there to start right. the year. Maybe. The only thing with, with Porter is that I think there's always a concern about long-term stuff. Just by trotting him out there, you sort of are inherently taking that risk. And I think the Nuggets were just comfortable with taking that risk. You know, one thing with back pain is like the distinctions between pain and an injury, you know, really trying to right. diagnose that. These are some of the murkier waters in medical science. So, right. you know, people can present symptoms with like, let's just say, for example, a herniated or bulging disc where someone else with the exact same issue doesn't even know they have it. So there, there is, this is a complicated thing sure. in terms of sifting through. Is he in pain versus is there a structural injury that we're risking? Um, it's just important to remember that like this is some of the least black and white territory in medical science right now. And yeah, I, one of the comments I saw was like, oh, did Michael Porter know he was hurt and still sign the deal? First of all, if he did, great move. Like who, who wouldn't sign a deal, a contract if it was like, hey, I could either take $200 million or not. I'll take the $200 million. But first of all, I don't think that's how it happened. And Denver, look, ha understood risk. I'm going to have Dr. Balaji, who has been on in the past. He talked about Jamal Murray's uh, ACL surgery and rehab and also is very familiar with herniated discs and some of the things that Michael Porter has dealt with. So I believe on Wednesday I'll have him on and uh, hope maybe there's more information to share by then, but he can kind of speculate on a few things that could be happening and maybe walk us through. I've actually been talking to him um, because we don't know all of the details at this very moment. It, you know, I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole and say, I think it's this because right. there's too much. Exactly. I don't know. Um, but at least in talking to him, you know, his theory even months back was that knowing what he knew about Michael Porter, that there were risks, but he felt the risks were relatively minor. And even talking him, just to kind of paraphrase, even with what's going on, there are scenarios in which what Michael Porter could be dealing with now are once again temporary and could, you know, and when you hear Michael Malone say, we're waiting to see how he responds to treatment, we're waiting to see how he feels, it's in line with some of the things that, that Dr. Balaji has sort of speculated on in terms of the most likely thing going on. Yeah, it could be, you know, that this is like a month, four or five week thing, and then he bounces back and feels good for another two, three years. Um, so it's just one of those things. We don't know enough about it. Um, the one thing I, I think we can do here, though, is just speculate about what the team would look like without without it. You know, if they are forced to go forward without Michael Porter. Harrison, how good can the Nuggets be if Porter were to miss the whole season? Do you think if he was out for the whole season, the season's, you know, throw it out, the season's over? Probably. Um, like, I don't think you can contend for a championship this season without Porter. That was coming into the season, my whole theory and why the Nuggets could contend for a championship this year was Michael Porter Jr. making the leap yeah, from right. the guy he was last year. You know, that's what this whole idea centered around, for me at least. I, I think Jamal Murray's going to come back better than most guys do after an ACL surgery just because it's Jamal Murray. And all the reports we're hearing are he's just looking great. So I think he could look, you know, pretty good by the time the playoffs roll around. But is he going to be the guy, you know, he was in the bubble? Probably not. So 
I really felt like for Denver to get a championship this year, it came down to Porter. He was the swing piece. He was the X factor. You know, without him, it's going to be tough. Um, I, I'd say it definitely knocks Denver's ceiling down pr- pretty substantially. I see somebody in the chat here, Goran. I don't know if you just joined the show. If you're a little late, as MPJ season's over, where does this information come from? No, we don't know that. Uh, we right. just got the report that we are commenting on right now for out of the Denver Post that, um, you know, obviously not with the team. Malone revealed that yesterday in that there's at least concern that this could either A, require another surgery, which was in the, in the story, or that it could jeopardize his season. But again, we don't know that. We're still waiting right. very much in wait and see mode. Vote. Can the Nuggets contend for a championship this year without Michael Porter? It's hard to see it. I mean, it would require Jamal Murray coming back and looking great, right? And and I think that's possible, but no one's holding their breath for that. I'm with wind. I mean, I I was one of the people who thought, even despite just the Jamal injury, let's take the other injuries, and if you're assuming full health beyond that, that this team could absolutely still win 48 to 50 games, grab a four seed. But that was all contingent upon Michael Porter Jr. looking like uh, a regular season asset, which he already has in the past, right? Just last season, he looked great in that environment. So you were hoping to see him come out, put, you know, light the world on fire. And obviously it's been the exact opposite. So it's hard to have confidence in that. The only thing I would say is, is what you just said, right? We're, it's very important to remember that we don't know specifically what Porter is dealing with or what the path to recovery looks like, right? So I, I, I do want to wait and see before I before I have any grandiose well, takes about the season's over. You know, I think it's fine like to say wait and see. Again, this is – of course we have to wait and see. Same with Jamal or this or that. I just want to talk about what does that mean because I do see a lot of comments as I see one. I don't even want to bring it up on here, but somebody says it's the beginning of the end of the yoga chair. I see people jumping to conclusions Yeah, like that's that. – I'm not there. Yeah. I think sports fans, like I don't know why people follow sports. It's kind of funny to me like what it is. I think people like – this is why super teams exist is everyone likes just the like, what's the easiest path to this thing or that you, thing. You know, what's weird is a lot of people and, and a lot of like diehard fans, even they, they look for one thing to happen as like a trigger point for the end of an era. Like right, when Jamal right, Murray right. tore his ACL, man, I can't believe how many nuggets fans I heard text me, call me chat into this show being like, this is it. The window's closed. The Nuggets, <laughs> right, right, you know, right. It's over. It, I mean, the same thing's going to happen with, with this Porter injury, but of, of course that's not the case. <laughs> of, of course right. that's not the case. But it's it's just always weird to me how, you know, it's always Armageddon every single time, you know, something like this happens. I understand the concern. I understand fans getting sort of like riled up for it. What I don't get is we've gotten, I, I really think the last decade has really hurt the way people view sports because they are always looking around the corner. It's never what's going on now. It's always what's going on down the line. And this is an instance where it's like, you know, the Nuggets team is still going. So why are we looking at the fallout three chain links deep from a thing that right. just happened? That's the part that I just think right. is like sort of an unhealthy relationship to sports. Um, here, let me throw this out at you though. The Nuggets have never played a playoff series with more than two of the following guys, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon. They've never done it. They've always only had either Jokic and Gordon or they've had uh, Jokic and Murray, but they've never had Barton, Murray. This year, uh, uh, you know, depending on how it goes, at a minimum, you would think that they can have those guys. Now, your point is fair, Harrison. Is it going to be the real Jamal Murray? Time will tell. We'll find right. out. That's the, that's the key uh, That's point. the thing. But to me, I look at this and I go – you know, the Nuggets were shorthanded. Like, yes, they went seven. They had to come back against the Utah Jazz. But Gary Harris was out all of those games until game six, locked up Donovan Mitchell, and all of a sudden they go from giving up 130 points a game to all of a sudden it's, you know, they're, once he checked in, Donovan Mitchell was all, 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 all of a sudden slowed. I think it's a little underrated how banged up Denver has been in the playoffs every year, and they still have gotten out of the first round. They still have found success. And this year – if you can get there with those four guys, even without a Michael Porter, I still feel like there's a you could talk yourself into Denver can still have the best version that they've had in the playoffs in large by virtue, but primarily of the fact that the version they've had in the playoffs the last two years has not been very good. I think the biggest hesitation is is just we don't know what form Jamal Murray will be in. I mean, if we knew if the second best player on the team was inked in for a full season, I would be. 
I would still be confident right now. I would be right. preaching patience knowing that those four guys, the core four, because it really is five guys that are in this core. So I'm talking about Barton, of course. I think that's a group that's good enough. Now, is it the best team in the league on paper? Like, I think Porter playing right, well right, was what right. pushed them into that territory. They but went again, from we are in contenders the, to being yes. like, hey, they might actually be favorites. And now we're talking about, can they become fringe contenders again where things break exactly. right? Something right. happens, yeah. But fringe contenders are like we're in the era of if you view yourself as a fringe contender, then view yourself as a contender. Ask the right. Toronto Raptors, ask the Milwaukee Bucks, ask the Phoenix Suns who didn't win but made it all the way to the finals. Right. A couple of injuries, a couple of lucky breaks in your favor. And as long as you're good enough, you've set yourself up to succeed. So I do think Denver is still in that territory. To be clear, I just think at the heart of any skepticism is, is what Jamal Murray will we get? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think another thing, I mean, we look back, the Nuggets just went four and one basically without Porter, but with Jokic. And that was even with a couple other guys kind of banged up in, in and out. Um, the one loss comes in a game where, you know, now we know Nikola Jokic hurt himself bad enough to actually need to miss, you know, what will end up being about a week. He still played through that one, only scored three free throws. So we know that. But I say that to say they could have very easily been 5-0 and during that stretch with Jokic and, and the supporting cast. And one of the things I wonder, you know, there is a scenario in which, you know, Porter does come back, but maybe it's not till January. You know, maybe this is an injury that lingers for a while, doesn't require surgery, but he's feeling better come right. January, February, something like that. And I wonder if in a roundabout way, there could be something that provides some clarity for this team. I mean, one of the things that's difficult about the season was the Nuggets had established the Murray-Porter identity. That's who this team was. This year, they kind of had to unwind that and find a new one. It might actually end up going back to where this team establishes an identity around Jokic, very reliant on him. And when you add in a Murray and you add in a Porter, those guys have more limited roles, but in a way that maybe makes sense for the team in the short run. Sure. I mean, look, if Porter was to come back late in the season, you know, he wouldn't be the guy he was last regular season. You know, he, he wouldn't be right. that focal of a piece. He'd be a shooter. You know, he'd be right. hopefully, you know, a 40% three point shooter. That's right. just a catch and shoot guy who can run around the perimeter and, and do that. You know, that, that would fit into, that would fit kind of nicely probably. Um, so You'd if he comes way. back late in the season, you know, He'd be that, but what would be tough is, you know, you, if you form this identity around Jokic, who even knows how that will go? Because just thinking about if Porter was to come back in, you know, February, say, oh, Jokic's got to carry this team for December, for three more months. It's a tough task. He's got to yeah. carry this team night in, night out for three straight months. Um, then you got to reintegrate Jamal Murray you know, and then you but maybe does, form a new Jokic identity there. Carry, but does Jokic have to carry the team is my question. I mean, this team is different from the ones in years past because they do have a Will Barton. They do have an Aaron Gordon. You know, uh, the bench unit has been tough. But do they have guys that can maybe help stabilize it more than Jokic playing 36 minutes a night doing everything? Not, not like Michael Porter could have. Not like Michael Porter could have, I don't think. Yeah, I think what we're talking about – I think for Jokic to not have to carry this team, you have to have confident, like op stagger options that you're confident in, i.e. Murray or Porter, right? Guys that can help that bench unit stay afloat. Because otherwise, sure, I know AG and Barton can win games and contribute to winning basketball, but this is still essentially LeBron and Cleveland levels of, of on-off numbers here. And so I think those two guys who aren't available right now are actually the best path to uh, to sort of to sort of fixing some of those ales. I do look forward to Jokic just adding a left-handed three-pointer. <laughs> just as I know, me too. A left-handed Sambor shelf. A left, just one-handed left-handed jumper. Um, and it works somehow and it's awesome. And he has a new weapon. Um, I, I think I'm a little bit less yeah. doomsday than everybody else seems to be, or at least around what most people seem to be. I mean, look, it's not ideal. This is not how the Denver season is supposed to go. They, they've already tripped up on so many different things. You didn't, you hope they wouldn't have to deal with. Um, but I do feel like there is a stabilization that can come. It might not come till after this road trip. I've said this a million times on the show, but the road trip I think is going to test them quite a bit. But I, I think that there is hope that the team can stay afloat until those guys get back and then maybe be the dangerous team with nothing to lose going into the playoffs, or maybe even better than that. I mean, they still have – Aaron Gordon would be the second-best player on all but maybe 10 teams. They still have uh, Jamal Murray coming back. Will Barton has had a, a very good season. They still have some pieces, so – 
Um, Wait, Aaron I, I Gordon would be the best player on all but 10 teams? The second best player? In, oh, second best player. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying Aaron Gordon yeah. now moves up to being the second best player, or will, you know, however you want right. to categorize him and Will Barton. And it's not like Jokic and Gordon as a core, if that was your core, it's not like that's a bad team. It's not a contender, I don't think, but it's not a bad team. And um, I think you I can don't, survive. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I would just, the last thing I really want to say about it is, I never viewed this as a stepping stone season or a season to punt on, um, not after the Murray injury. And even now, not after this injury, right. I just like, as an odd, you know, wearing my honest analyst cap, am I less confident in the Nuggets oh, without course, yeah. Murray and Porter? But of course, um, right. but there are people pushing back in the comments saying, Hey, still the best player in the world on that team. This is still a team that can make a run. I agree with you. I do. I don't think you have to punt on this group, um, but we also can't pretend that one of their best options to maybe like lightening the burden on Jokic's shoulders um, is now out for, do I say it, the foreseeable future? So it's just, it's tough to navigate. <laughs> no, no. Um, the good thing is, or the only good thing is, is this happened in November and it is November and it's still so early. And all Denver has to do is just stay in the playoff picture until the last couple months of the That's season. Right. That's right. And then solidify their position and and make their move then. That's all that matters. You know, just just get in mm, and yeah. just then we'll be see. that team with nothing to lose. Do you um the team could also rely more heavily on Jokic in a healthy way, not so much in a can he score every time, but maybe more in just a like, hey, they are all know that they need to play through him. And now Barton can give you a spell, Gordon, who's been great, by the way. Gordon, sneaky thing, because Denver hasn't looked good over the last three games, but he's been a very good one-on-one -on -one creator. Maybe he can take some of that burden off of Jokic every now and then of like, hey, let's just go to Gordon, let Jokic get a breather. You know, maybe you get something like that. So um, there's still, I think there's still plenty of reason for optimism. Just got to get Yoke back, which is something we'll talk about on the other side. But first, can we hear this? We can hear it. Hey, oh, wow. hey, here we are. <laughs> Why don't we hit our first break? <laughs> Guys, make sure to pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager from Breck Brew. Now, come on, Brendan. Come on. Uh, pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager from Breck Brew. You can get it at your local liquor store. You can get it at your grocery store sometimes. They've got it at the Breck Brew Farmhouse out in Littleton. If you're ever out there, great food, great drinks. The Mile High City Copper Lager, the Breck Brew that we drink during Nugget season. We're going to be drinking it for the next six months, hopefully. Uh, but pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager from Breckenridge Brewery today. If you're in town, stop by the DNVR bar. We got tons of Breck brews on tap. Also, guys, people are what make Ball special. People at every level come into work each and every day at Ball and give 100% to accomplish their goals. The production techs at Ball are the front line in making their operation happen. They directly impact the volume of product production that Ball runs, the quality of the production, and are integral to Ball's operation. Ball hit us up because they're looking to add line capacity. They're looking to add production technicians to their plant in Golden. Uh, yeah, this is this is the Ball that sponsors Ball Arena. Uh, so if you want more information, jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. Or you can text Golden to 77222. The production technician position offers a competitive $27.39 per hour wage with potential increases at 6, 12, and 18 months. So if you want more information, jobs.ball.com and search for Golden or text Golden to 77222. All right. Um, back here, segment two. Nikola Jokic did a warm-up yesterday. He goes out on the court, gets some shots up, looked to be fine. He was smiling, but he brought a nice sweater. He didn't want to waste it. Um, so he, uh, sat that one out styled. That's my story. At least I'm going with it. Um, what do we know? Is there any updates Harrison on Jokic and whether or not he'll be available for Tuesday's game against the Portland trailblazers? Yeah, I think it's still up in the air. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a game time decision like he was Sunday. Here's the thing though. If he doesn't play against Portland, this is tomorrow, Tuesday, He'd have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off before the Nuggets host the Milwaukee Bucks. That would be one full Friday week. night. That'd be one full yeah. week from when he was injured, right? Right. So he was injured against the Bulls. That was Friday. Thir that was Thursday. 
Uh, oh yeah, that was against Philly. Sorry, that was Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So then, if if he would come back Friday, you know, that'd be one week and a day. So, yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, but I I would expect him to be like a game time decision tomorrow again. Go through the paces, see what happens. It is it is funny how I mean again we don't know anything about this injury. Maybe it really is. I mean the team. I think is very concerned about losing Yoke in any capacity. So I can imagine them being, you know, you're looking at that game and saying, Hey, if he's not 110%, might as well rest this or that. So I don't, I wouldn't rule him out. He's also missed three games in 17 vote. Like he's on pace to miss 14 and a half games this year, which is three games is already kind of a lot by his standards. We know he doesn't like missing. So that just is another little thing here that, that you think maybe he is back. I don't know. Yeah. But I also think, um, you know, any games that he's missing now on a front end because of injury, we can just take that out of the games he was willing to sit on the back end. Maybe. I don't know if Jokic is going to miss that many games, um, at least not by choice. The wrist injury, I mean, we do know it's a sprained wrist, right? It's They're not being as vague and quiet about this as they have with others. Um, I mean, what that means, like the severity of it, like we're, we're in the dark, but I would imagine it's a pain and swelling thing, right? And why play through it to re-aggravate it and have it linger through a really difficult stretch of schedule. Right. When, right. as Wynn pointed out here, there's a little runway to get him some rest. And of course, following this Porter news, you know, sitting here wondering about Barton's groin, what's more important than Jokic's long-term availability? Nothing. The one, the one thing I'll say is Michael Malone does really seem to take um, divisional games seriously for whatever yeah. reason. Like he always points it out. Yeah. And tomorrow is not only is it a divisional game, but the winner of that one will be higher in the standings. Well, like mm-hmm. the, the Blazers will surpass the Nuggets if they win that game and, or vice versa. So it, it kind of does seem a little bit important. Also, when we looked at the 10 game slate yesterday on the pregame show, where we looked at the 10 games and said, what could Denver go? Portland was one of the most likely wins on the entire 10 game list. So you're also looking at that. Um, True. So I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I will say whether it ends up being eight days or five days that Jokic gets off, I do think that it's meaningful. You know, Jokic didn't miss any games last year, and they played pretty much every other day for five, six months. For him to get sort of even just five days off, coming off of a game where he was suspended and had four days off, like he actually should be somewhat rested for this point in the season, which I think can aid him uh, going on. So we'll have to wait and see if there is a further update. I'm sure some stuff will come out tomorrow. I expect like you do Harrison, that he goes through the warmups and then remains questionable up until tip off. Um, and, and we'll find out. Um, same. I'm, I'm guessing bones Highland, same thing. I mean, I rolling ankles, two different ankles in, in consecutive games or near consecutive games. I'm guessing he's probably more likely to sit out, um, and maybe just kind of get healthy here as he's having a really tough go right now. Can we go through the players who could be available for the Nuggets tomorrow real quick? Because we're kind of getting down to it. So say say Nikola Jokic doesn't play. Okay. Um, what do we think about Will Barton? You, we think he plays probably? I think if Jokic doesn't play, they, I think they should not play Will Barton. Okay, so if Will Barton does not play, that means... Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, Dos Verdes, PJ Dozier, or Austin Rivers. I think Austin Faku Rivers. Faku and Austin, Austin Rivers. Rivers. Yeah, uh, it's it's not a it's not that deep of a group. Yeah. So uh, we don't. Says Barton's injury. He's. Not, I mean, he stayed in the game, but he did do the splits and grabbed his groin, and for a second there was, it didn't look great. And we know because Barton has suffered groin injuries in the past that maybe the team plays it extra, a little bit extra cautious. By the way, on rewatch, um, he stood out a lot as just being passive. Last yeah. night, there were a lot of opportunities yep. to do something, and he would like pass the ball away to like Jeff Green or Jermichael yep. Green or somebody. Not as in like just making the extra pass, but as in a, hey, we just got to switch. I've got a big, you've got a little. You yep. take it from the perimeter rather than me, which is very unbarton-like. It was an unconfident night. Malone did mention in the presser that roughly halfway through that game, Barton sat down on the bench and said, man, I just don't have it tonight. You know, he wasn't hitting his threes. So, uh, you know, a guy who's just thought of for that short memory, but I I think it got to him a little last night. Well, he's had one of those games every four or five games or so. Like, if you go back and and before this hot streak he's kind of been on, he had like a one of eight game against Memphis and then had – like four straight really good games and had that bad game against Atlanta 
then had a couple good games. Now this bad game against Phoenix. So he's had a one of these bad ones mixed in most of the season so far. Do you guys want to get into the list? Let's do it, man. Do oh, real it. quick, I, I, I do want to say I saw in the comments someone said that Barton strained his groin. To my knowledge, we don't actually know that, right? It just looked like he did, but we don't have an injury report, right? Unless I missed a quote somewhere. Um, I, I don't think the injury report is coming out just yet today, which would be yeah. where we would get an official update from him. Yeah, um, yeah, so. I don't see it in here. So, um, so no. Here's my first note. Harrison spoiled it. He already looked, but the Nuggets entered the game last night third in defensive rating. Where do you think they are now after last night's blowout? Fifty point, forty-eight points allowed in the first quarter. Oh, I, think I, I guess, a- I guess tenth. I guess tenth before I that. Left. That was your official guess. That was I my had guess a drum well. roll somewhere. I guess I don't. Um, they are 12th on NBA.com. They've gone from third to 12th. And this has been, I think when Jokic went out, they were second. So this has actually been a real slide um, that they are on. Harrison, does this mean anything to you that the Nuggets are now 12th in defensive rating? Uh, real quick, I've got the injury report for you guys. Bones the, Island uh-huh. is out. Nicole Jokic is questionable. Will Barton not on the injury report? Oh, wow. Great. It did just drop, didn't it? it just Literally amazing. just now. Literally just what now. What great timing. Somebody is watching yeah. the show. P- I know P- they watch watching the show. show. Oh, crap. Yeah. Did we not send that out? <laughs> what about so the Zeke Nagy right ankle sprain? Uh, he's out for the foreseeable future, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long <laughs> This is a long ankle sprain, man. This is I, yeah. must have been pretty bad. It could have been a high ankle sprain, but we, we I guess we don't really know. Um, not great. Not great. But good to see Barton not on that injury report at all. I mean, that's a huge – because to the point of the question we were just running through, if he's questionable there, I would say don't play him. Do not play yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Harrison, so the Nuggets now dropping – I mean, here's the thing. It only matters when you have your team, or at least you know, real P. Like it, the fact that Denver got murdered defensively, we're going to see some clips tonight. That's like, yeah, of course they did. Look, look at how difficult it was to guard given the personnel. Um, but do you think it means anything that Denver had their they could a confidence booster to say, hey, we're the third best defense, second best defense. Now you look at it and you're like, we're a league average defense. <laughs> do you think there's anything to that? I mean, no, I don't think they're looking at the numbers, but like. So much of this still comes back to something we talked about in the Phoenix series. Sometimes your offense can be your best defense. And right. when, when you don't have Nikola Jokic out there, first of all, he's been very good defensively this season. But he's also just going to put so much pressure on the opposing defense that that's going to help your defense in yeah. that same way. So not having that same offensive firepower, that's that's absolutely contributed to the defensive slide too. Vote. Strong agree. And I, I talked about this last night on, on the uh, the playback cast, but also team defense, right? It's when you have lineups out there that were not plans A, B, or C, guys that haven't necessarily all played a bunch together. Um, like I, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that in practice, the vast majority of time spent on defense and defensive coverages is with – regards to the starters and Jokic and, and all of that. And so when you're just plugging guys in, I'm not surprised at all to see things get a little sloppier and maybe have roles be a little less defined defensively. And then to the point that Wynn made, it's also not just, it's just the fact that Jokic is a good defender right now, that they're just better yeah. with him on the floor flat out. Um, let me see here. I'm going to, I'm going to go out of order. I wasn't planning on playing this video first, but here's a video from yesterday that kind of, um, and if you're listening on audio, you can check us out on YouTube. This episode is free because um, it's not really a full list. I've only got six or seven clips. But you can see on this possession here, this is Aaron Gordon as your five. And he is guarding at the moment JaVale McGee, although you can see them kind of communicating here. And here's what was so easy about beating the Nuggets last night. This is why Phoenix had 48 points or part of why they had 48 points in the first quarter. We're just going to run a straight. You got Faku in the game. You got Bones in the game. You got Austin Rivers playing the three. You've got PJ Dozier playing the four. You've got Aaron Gordon playing the five. Denver is literally undersized in all five matchups right now, and they have no ability to switch. That doesn't stop him from switching. I'm sure Aaron Gordon, not used to playing the five, he's used to switching screens. This is part of his value is you can switch him on almost any action because you're rarely put in position for him to switch guarding the five. So here he's a little bit late stepping up. 
He steps up to get the switch, and you see it's a little bit late, but it doesn't matter. Look at this loft. He just lofts it up because he's got Faku and Bone sandwiching him. He's seven feet one, super athletic, super tall. How do you think this play goes? This is the type of stuff that was <laughs> happening last night. If you watch it in real time, what is – I mean, the only thing you could say here is don't switch this one, but that's easier said than done. Um, and Denver, again, Michael Malone, very, very much a person who's about the execution, uh, you know, defensive execution. They've never played or practiced this style before, so he can only be so upset about, hey, Faku Gordon, you screwed up the 1-5 pick and roll. I, I just don't know. You have to grade him on a curve in some ways. All right. That's <laughs> tough, man. It's it's tough. Like you just don't have many options. <laughs> you know, you're if you had Zeke Naji healthy, he'd probably be playing right now. If Vlatko was healthy, or he is healthy, but if he had been healthy so far this season, he'd probably be playing right now. And and you'd have more size out there, but right. it's just tough. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go here and this was the most interesting thing that I think is pertinent. We're going to see, um, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going out of order here. Let me see if I have the other one first. Nope. Um, let me see here. Yeah, we got, I'll go with this. Uh, oh no, this one, this one first, my, it shows up in reverse order for some reason. This is one of their main actions. They were running these double high screens all night and you get the mm -hmm. lead forward and then your center kind of running these in order. And you, one of the things here is you don't want to switch Monte Morris onto either of these guys. And when you run a double high action, it's so hard not to. You've got to fully attack with your big. And Phoenix knew this. I mean, they knew the predicament Denver was in defensively. And they were able to release right here uh, to DeAndre Ayton, who's very good at sort of making reads. Barton is a little bit late rotating over. He, he, uh, to make this work, you've really got to meet him quickly. Although guarding Devin Booker, this is a very tough task. You could see Jeff Green kind of sinks for a second to make him catch here. But getting late, it's just like Denver has no hope here. You give up the and one. Um, and this is one of those things that in watching this game, one of the things that was frustrating was Phoenix has been healthy now for a year, year and a quarter. They haven't really had tons of injuries. They were able and they have a phenomenal point guard who knows exactly how to get them into different actions and read on the fly. They were a team that could adjust on the fly to whatever Denver was doing. I always talk about read and react basketball. There's always a counter. If you're going to guard this way, you can do this. Phoenix was in that first quarter. Denver tried to throw a bunch of different looks at him, and they were like, oh, they're doing this. Everybody do this together. And they were just on a string offensively. They knew exactly how to beat every type of coverage. They didn't even have to call it out. And, you know, it's a credit to them, a great team, a credit to a great point guard. But it's also a credit to, if you think about Denver right now, they have a different lineup every single night. There's just, it's hard to gain that type of continuity and expectation. So, it was a real advantage from him, and you saw it in plays like that one. Yeah, continuity okay. continues to be so underrated. Like, this is really one of my things, man. Phoenix is the same starting lineup that they had last year. They have the same bench for the most part, outside of, like, JaVale. Yeah. You know, the, and, those guys yeah, know how to play with each other. No surprise that's the group who we we most often say they do it all on a string, right? They do everything together. They've got that mod mold. And I think you're right. Discipline. I mean, one of the main ingredients in that is chemistry, which stems from continuity. Yeah, for sure. And Ali, there's a guy, I just put him in timeout. You might have to log on YouTube and, and kick him out. He's just a troll. I think his name's Robert. He'll, he'll be out of timeout in five minutes. Um, if we go, I, know, like, I feel like I'm in kindergarten with the kid, like yeah. a dork. Um, all right. So here, here is an example of another one. So we're going to get another action up, up top. This is slightly different, but it has the same principle of having two guys screening up top. It appears that we're going to get this like, um, you know, come this way and then get a double action or, or get these two guys running across here for the screen. But what you're going to get is actually they're hitting him with this stack screen. And um, so they're they were just prepared to guard this action, this up top action, a, a specific way. And then they'll call an audible where they hit him with this. And if you guys have been watching the list as DNVR members, you'll know this is my favorite back screen and slip in in basketball you hit him Devin Booker has inside position on this one mm. you force the switch to where now Barton has to guard Aiton J Mike is on Booker and Booker just flashes to the basket for an open little floater here and you have good re re rebounding position so if we watch it again this is what I mean about they're able to call so many little plays that play off of hey play run it this way they guard it one way okay that's how they're going to guard it run it again 
give them a different look. Now they adjust to that look. You run another counter and you can just go through your whole sequence sort of tricking them and you'll see how quick this happens. Boom, caught them, slip, layup. This is just going through a progression, one one play to the next and getting them. And it was really pretty basketball, but it just shows yeah. the predicament Denver was in. It's beautiful basketball compared to whatever the hell the Nuggets were doing last night. Well, the Nuggets had one good one here, um, and it's nice to know. You know this play, dive through to clear out the side and then run this little elbow pick and roll with uh, Aaron Gordon. Usually this is Jokic. It's the 5-4, but it's nice to know this play even works even just with Monte in a straight 1-4 pick and roll. Um, again, most bigs are going to try to switch this 1-4. through four. Um, so you put your five in the corner. In this case, it's Jermichael Green, and you're able to get that. It's pretty. Um, it's it's nice that the 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 Aaron Gordon role is always working. I was gonna say, do you guys feel an irrational flash of happiness whenever that play works? For some reason, something about them finding ways to make Aaron Gordon fit in Denver just gets me going. Gets me going every time. <laughs> also, it looks so easy when they get him. Yeah, that's exact. That's why. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I just labeled this one double high. We'll take a look. Oh, here we go. So another example of these double high screens and mm. the predicament you can see that it puts Denver in. They switch the first initial action, then Barton gets hung up on one, and now you have Jermichael Green. You either switch this and put Barton on eight, and that's like 100 pounds difference, or uh, you sink off and let him get into the, the mid-range, which is exactly what happens. And Chris Paul, of course, that's his comfort zone. So Denver, again, just, just they're running in circles defensively last night. But here's what's interesting. I'm not doing this just to like drive you guys yes. nuts. I did this because in the second half, they put Gordon on Chris Paul, and it was a very interesting counter. Here you get that same action. It's called a horns twist where you get a cross screen here and then go up and set the ball screen. But what's nice about this is Denver puts themselves in position here because you can switch this one. Now you've got Jeff Green on Chris Paul. All right, it's not ideal, but whatever. But they're trying to run these actions, and look, you just switch right back. So yeah. Denver came up with a nice little counter here of like, okay, they're going to try to run these things. You know, you put him in a little bit of, a, of jail. You scramble on the backside. You force. I mean, look at this. He hits this one, but it was still a good defense. I still can't believe Jay Crowder hit that shot. I Running one-handed inside hand. Like, hey, that happens. But Phoenix doesn't beat you with Jay Crowder floaters. Like, they, they'll get those every now and then. But right. Denver did a That's nice a good job. Sign. This is the very next possession, I believe. And watch. You're going to see that they abandoned this double high action on this one. So their immediate counter was to try to just run a straight slip on this one because you bring uh, – you. You ice this screen, uh, forcing it to the baseline. Oops, I rewound a little bit too much. You're going to see Aaron Gordon jumps to cut off half the court. So here he is. He's cutting off half the court. J. Mike comes over. So they switch. This is what I mean. Phoenix knows exactly how to counter. They don't even have to call mm -hmm. anything. But Monte, if you keep an eye on him, he knows exactly how this play is going to unfold, and he meets him high. Kind of almost draws the foul, Great but gets point. the steal anyway, and it turns into a transition. And this was part of Denver's second half. They started the second half on a very nice run eventually getting it down to nine points. Here's another one. So Phoenix's next counter to Denver's counter was to have Chris Paul play off ball, which first of all, that's a win. Chris Paul, one of the best floor generals in all of the NBA. What makes Phoenix so dangerous is they do have a second player who's capable of being very effective, but they are less effective with Devin Booker than they are with Chris Paul. So even though it's a very good second option for Phoenix, Denver still put yourselves in position if you take the ball out of Chris Paul's hands in this they run it uh, this way, same exact action, that horns twist. You step up. Barton does a good job here uh, of containing. And you can just see this is – and then they get back. Boxing out, get to your spots. Devin Booker hits a, hits a big shot. But, again, you're forcing them away from what they're trying to do. And you can see Denver had a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of uh, success with a little bit of failures, a little bit of success. Scramble on the weak side. Barton. Barton's a pretty good defender, by the way. Oh, yeah, the offensive foul here. It's probably the first time, right, since that playoff series started that we've seen Denver force a plan B or a plan C from Phoenix. So that's right. absolutely <laughs> encouraging, even though it didn't bear, you know, ultimately bear enough fruit in that game. Also, just a small aside, it's kind of funny how Phoenix is that much more comfortable going to Booker now. That's a product of some of their uh, malpractice. I mean, they didn't have a point guard in Phoenix, a capable one for a long time. And by default, Booker was running some right. point, but it's ended up, be, you know, adding a, a nice little tool into his bag that makes Phoenix that much better. George Carl is so adamant that giving Jamal Murray a point guard would be a big boost for him. And I got to say, he's talked me into it. I'm not saying Denver has to go out and do it, but you do watch like when Devin Booker is the second 
ball handling mm-hmm. option. You see what Chris Paul, it's not even what does Chris Paul do? It's just having an extra player on the court that always knows what to do. Always is seeing things as quickly as Jokic is like, Jokic is up here, and even like guys like Barton and Murray who have that chemistry with him, they're still 90% of, rep- of of identifying it. If you had a Chris Paul, he never misses what's going on on the court either. So just having another one of those. Um, it was interesting to me that Denver didn't just stick with Gordon, depending on who was on the court with him. Here they have P.J. Dozier uh, guarding the point here, and it's just interesting. Running similar things, by the way, I don't know if you noticed this. This is one of their built-in counters. Rather than set the double high screen, Jay Crowder, Crowder flashes here thinking that they're going to have to guard it one way, and then it's just supposed to be a triangle pass here. So he rolls, defense rotates over, and you catch him sleeping. But Denver was prepared for it, did a nice job. Um, mm. Again, uh, everything good here except for the foul. The, uh, Jeff Green, of course, got him, but just barely. But you almost had a great another great defensive possession, and that mm. was in the stretch where when I went back and rewatched it, Denver kept getting stops. They hit a couple, like the Jay Crowder floater. You know, they hit a couple shots that you're like, okay, we'll live with. They won't make a ton of those. You get a couple of those fouls, fouling a three-point shooter, fouling a fall away on the baseline, and then Denver just couldn't score. So Denver also went really cold. So they cut it to nine and then just couldn't cut it to more because they couldn't score and because they kept getting a little bit unlucky here or there. But, you know, that's the break. If you take out the first quarter, if you take out the 48-point first quarter, Phoenix had 25 in the second. Okay, that's fine. 27 in the third. Not great, but okay. 26 in the fourth. You know, the only problem was, like you said, Denver had 37 points in the second half. What kills me about Phoenix, though, is that they have the talent on top of this execution. And I thought that Barton clip was a good play. Uh, The one where where Booker just – uh, he has the inside position and, and he just takes it. And then Barton actually is there to contest the shot. But Booker is just one of the best shot makers in the league. And Chris Paul's like right. that as well. And and then occasionally you get those annoying. There's nothing more annoying than a, an unlikely Jay Crowder bucket. But they have these guys who, all right, we're doing the right thing nine out of ten times. You caught us on the tenth time. Now we're just going to hit a tough bucket. It's They're really tough to beat. Uh, and, and I think the Monte-Chris Paul combination is – uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. Monty Williams, the coach. Yeah, say. Monty Williams. Yeah. He is uh, there. I actually really loved watching their offense for all those reasons. I just love reading react basketball and they had a bunch of guys capable of doing it, just reading on the fly. And I really think Denver, I, I would love for them to get there. I see somebody says here, uh, where's the comment? It's really tough. CP three is an elite defender. It's hard to find somebody to play with Jamal. Here's the thing right now. Denver's money goes to three spots, it goes to Jokic and Murray. Okay. That's a, that's a given. And then it goes to Porter at the three. You know, if that was instead a superstar point guard and Murray then slides over to two, the question is, is that the way to go? If you had a like a Kyle Lowry type or a Chris Paul type or a Mike Conley or this or that, like one of those types. And I don't know, I, I'm kind of it's it's growing on me that that might work. And then your three is more of a straight defensive player. Then AG is a little bit more of a D, uh, of a two way player. Does that work? That might actually work. I don't know. We'll find out. Just having two dynamic guards allows for that continuity offense so much. Um, the last one here, speaking of continuity offense, PJ Dozier has been as disappointing, you know, as anybody today, but plays like this. So you get the switch. All right, here we go. This what are you going to so do bad. with it? This is like, so bad. Look at the clock. There's still 10 seconds on the clock. This was not a forced shot. There is nobody inside the paint for Denver. I mean, this is the biggest dub for Phoenix. If you're like, okay, what are we worried about? All right, you got the switch. We didn't necessarily need to switch. Jeff Green's like, hey, this is how we do it. You even go to Jeff Green in the post here on Cam Cam Johnson would be a better option. But if you're going to ISO, I've played this clip a couple times on the list where I've talked about Bones, where he gets out on an island. And when he gets to this spot, if he gets here and it's like, yeah, that didn't work, he just gets the ball back and keeps the offense going. Like this yeah. is a D minus shot for Denver. If you get a D minus shot with 11 seconds on the clock, don't take it. That's like a rule of thumb that's pretty easy. But PJ, for some reason, just doesn't. I mean, he always takes that one. I mean, look at this. Look at this shot. Look where I'm going to try to pause it out of frame. The ball is <laughs> out of frame at the moment. <laughs> and it's a it's a two pointer as a contested mid range over a center with no rebound. It's just it's wild the decision making he comes up with sometimes. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. I love Dozier, but the plays like that to me are they're just so bad. He ne- he'll never I think. I think Dozier can be an asset in some Jokic lineups. And, you know, if he were spot starting with certain lineups, I think he could be a great option. But yeah. 
he's not a scoring punch off the bench. He's just not. And whether or this bench at the very least, and maybe he's a victim of roster construction, but he's just not that guy who's going to manufacture points out of thin air. I've seen a lot of people ask this, some version of this question, like, you know, what happens if Porter like can't ever play again? Again, I don't want to entertain these too long because we just don't know that. And I don't, everybody kind of goes to the worst case doomsday scenario. I mean, what if a meteor hits the earth and guys like what happens to the contract then? Like we don't have to always go to the worst one. I will say, you know, his contract is guaranteed. There is a scenario where if he like has to medically retire, Denver could, it wouldn't hit the salary cap, but the team would still have to pay the 170 million. So the Cronkies would still be on the hook. Does that mean they wouldn't spend them? I mean, there's a whole these different things, but I just don't think we need to spend the time worrying about that just yet. I mean, I we, we don't even know I if still think there's a scenario over. that he comes back like sooner than you think, like within a month or something. It's just, we don't know. Uh, at least from talking to Dr. Balaji, there's a scenario where it's like, sometimes injuries happen. Um, it takes a month to go for some of the treatments that you would do for this, for those to kick in. And maybe those start to kick in and it's like, okay, you're back to it. So um, there's at least these scenarios out there. Why don't we hit a break though? Uh, on the other side, we can wrap up with some final thoughts and we can also kind of look ahead to Portland and what we expect from that game. Should the guys be playing? Dr. Balaji, keep me from driving my car off the side of a cliff. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank God for Dr. Balaji. He's more optimistic, <laughs> I will say. And like I said, he's done these procedures before. Like he's specifically dealt with back uh, injuries requiring surgery. So I feel pretty good yeah. about what, what he has to say. But he'll, like I said, he'll be on uh, Wednesday, I believe. Nice. Well, if you're looking for a gift to give someone else this holiday season, hit up manscaped.com. Use the code DMVR. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DMVR at manscaped.com. A great stocking stuffer for the holiday season, like I said. Uh, The brand new Lawnmower 4.0, you can get that at manscaped.com. It's got a 7,000 RPM motor. New multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. 4,000K LED spotlight. You can also yeah, get the, the Shed travel bag. Spotlight. Yeah. You can clutch. also get the uh, Shed travel bag when you per- purchase the Performance Package 4.0. Check it all out at manscaped.com. Use the code DNVR and get 20% off your purchase. Shave your balls. Plus free shipping. Use the code DNVR at manscaped.com. Uh, let's see what we've got on DraftKings, guys. This upcoming weekend on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. It's Thanksgiving. It's Turkey Day. What does Thanksgiving mean? It means NFL football and food. New customers can make this one MLS football. <laughs> yes, yeah, football and football. Uh, new customers can bet just one dollar on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win one hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a point in the game that you're betting on. All DraftKings customers can also get in on same-game parlay offers. They'll have a bunch of those on Thanksgiving as well. Uh, For the Thanksgiving game specifically at DraftKings Sportsbook, all customers get a risk-free bet up to $25 if your same-game parlay doesn't win. So you bet a same-game parlay, it doesn't win, get a risk-free bet up to $25 from DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game. Win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Promo code DMVR this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Finally, guys, at Hassel Cattle Company, Turkey is out. Beef is in this year for Thanksgiving. You can get yeah. 15% <laughs> off your entire purchase at Hassel Cattle Company. 15% off. Use the, code the movement is gaining 15. steam, by the way. I see people all over the internet talking about turkey. We're not doing that anymore. I'm doing a steak or brisket or something. All over yeah. the internet, guys. I'm seeing it. Life's too short to just stick to tradition and so eat true. turkey. Just eat what you want. You know, we all want beef what if i want to eat turkey no you don't you don't want it trust me you don't you just don't want it use the code dmvr15 at hasslecattlecompany.com get 15 percent off your purchase uh if you order over 200 dollars, get a couple friends together 
pull all your orders together, spend over $200, receive free shipping as well, but also use the code DMVR15 for 15% off your order, hasslecattlecompany.com. All righty, back here, final segment here, wrapping up here really quickly. Um, but before I do, you guys see I brought up on screen, we are doing a really cool Rapids preview show tomorrow. Yeah, this is on Tuesday at 5.30. It's going to be live from the DNVR bar. We've got interviews with Cole Bassett, Kellen Acosta, two players, two key players. Cole uh, Bassett is from Colorado, so he's a local homegrown uh, hero playing for for the Rapids. Um, their playoff second round, actually it's a semifinal is uh, a conference semifinal is to on Thursday on Thanksgiving. It's on Fox, so you can watch it. You can follow it along. But we are dipping our toes in some Rapids coverage here. So if you're interested at all and like the way we cover the Nuggets, would like to see us cover the Rapids that same way, tune in. We're also going to be giving away some tickets to the game on Thursday. You're going to want to stay tuned to our social media account for that. Um, and we're giving away an autographed soccer ball, so it should be really cool. I see so many people – in the comment, the comment section is so down, man. It's it's so not surprising. I do get it, um, but uh, I also just think it's it's funny how much people can be such wet blankets, man. I mean, this is what sports are. It's about the great sports stories are about overcoming adversity. That's what they should be. And by the way, if the Nuggets ever win a championship, I'll tell you how it happens. From overcoming adversity, they are not going to win the champ. <laughs> Denver is not getting the championship where it's like. Wow, that was easy. Oh, that was easy. They, they skated right to the champion. That was nobody even challenged them, guys. It was <laughs> honestly that'd be kind of boring. Like I don't even want to win a championship that way. Screw that. What an easy, what an easy one that one, guy. I mean, yeah. go be Lakers fans. Honestly, like that, that that's the, the that's what you want to do is when you want to stack the deck to make something like that. But you know, um, hold out hope. There's so there's always hope. Tomorrow night. We might get Yoke. Let's assume Jokic plays tomorrow. Yeah. What are you looking for, uh, vote in the Portland Denver matchup if Jokic is there? I would just like to see the defense get back on track. Um, a because that's good for long term health for this team, but B because it supports the agenda that Jokic is a great defender. Um, so I like the idea of them just sort of getting back on a string, pumping that defensive rating back down, um, and 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 really. I, I think Portland is always a potential get-right game for this team now. There's there's enough of a rivalry there, but I think Denver's turned a certain corner in that matchup in terms of confidence and how they view Portland and themselves against Portland. And I think they feel pretty confident no matter what groups they put out on the floor. So getting back to playing for each other, playing with at least some, some, uh, some synthetic confidence and then seeing that defense look good again. I would just want to see a competitive game because Portland, since that Nuggets loss, has actually been playing pretty well. They beat the Raptors. Yeah. They beat the Bulls. They beat the 76ers. So they're kind of hot right now. So I would just want to see a competitive game. I'm not asking for much. I'm really not. Just a competitive, nice, fun basketball game. I mean, if Jokic is healthy, you you would almost hope for more than that. I mean, Denver just came off a five-game win streak. They're now on a four-game losing streak. You you look for a stabilizing sort of performance to say, hey, yeah. let's get back in the win column, start to feel good about yourself again. Right now, everything's so down right now with Denver. Um, so to me, I, I right. do look for even a little bit more of that if Jokic does play. Um, and, and I'll also look for just the effort. I mean, the last time we saw the team with Jokic was that Philly game, which I think was the lowest energy game of the entire year. I do think even though Denver has lost, their effort level and, and just engagement has been really high over these games for whatever that's worth. Um, so I, I would want to see that same thing yeah. just with Jokic back. The, the tough part is I can't imagine that Jokic is going to be at 100% tomorrow night right. if he does play, you know. And if he was at 100%, I'd be like, all right, this is a get right game, you know, let's get this one. And then we got this massive road trip. Oh, just get this one. And then we can feel good. But um, him, him, just his first game back, definitely not going to be at a hundred percent with a, a bad wrist, his right wrist. I would just want, you know, a nice, well-played competitive, fun, enjoyable game. Uh, that's all we can hope for these days. A nice, <laughs> easy, hopefully just mildly. Hey man, I, I, I look, once Jokic comes back, it's okay to be confident. Like, they have a chance to win every game with that dude on the floor any given night. Right. And through a, a 
legitimate nightmare start to the season prior to him going down they found a way to be nine and seven and that's with the like some of the worst shooting luck we've seen hit this team in a long time maybe that never comes around but there's just plenty reason to assume that if yo comes back this team's going to be competitive this team will be one of the better teams in the west and i can't wait to get back to that point because we've all got our tail in between our legs right now i get why but uh I'm not jumping shit, man. If this ship does ever go down, I'll 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 go down with it. Yeah, I love this one. F that. We're winning if Jokic is back. We're back, baby. That's the that's the confidence needed. I would say I'd love to see Gordon stay uh, aggressive. You know, he's been so aggressive since Jokic has been out. I'd love to see if he can maintain that going to the basket, trying to get to the rim, trying to get to the foul line every time if Jokic is back. But we'll see. Denver back in action. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. We're going to be following it obviously live from the DNBR bar. We'll be there. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. See you guys tomorrow. Your American Raptors. Yes, your American Raptors are on the ground in Montevideo, Uruguay. For a two-week tour that starts with matches and a scrimmage, be sure you are following DNVR Rugby, that Twitter account for all the details, and our guy on the ground, Colton Strickler. I guess he's in Uruguay. I guess he's in Uruguay with the team. He's going to have all the details there on the American Raptors, so keep it locked to the DNVR Rugby Podcast. And the American Raptors season at Infinity Park, you'll be here before you know it. So it was a great time. Go out there, check out a rugby game with the fam. So keep it locked to the DNVR Rugby Podcast. The American Raptors, they're in Uruguay. Kick it off their two-week tour there. Keep it locked to the DNVR Rugby Podcast.